Welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast Season 2. This is going to be really, really exciting as we are going to go and show you how to not go woke, to stay on the straight and narrow. <laughs> but I, I, I'm your host, Pastor Sam, and of course I'm joined, like always, with uh, Kyle Witt. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good today, Sam. I'm ec- ecstatic. I'm excited to be here for the next season of the Wikipedia podcast, uh, to not just continue what we've been doing, Sam, but to expand what we've been doing, to build upon it and improve absolutely. and add new things. You know, absolutely. And of course, that expansion that you're talking about, uh, that that is what we've been doing. In fact, our team has expanded. You're going to be finding out more on that in the coming weeks. But you know what we need Mm -hmm. to tell you, first of all, is that it's not just season two, new season, but it's also a new time for the podcast to drop. I I believe our podcast is dropping Wednesdays before, but it's going to be Fridays. I know you're sitting here saying, wait a minute, it's a Monday. Well, that's just because we were so excited. We had to get it out early. Or, or yep, three days yep. late, so depending be... on how you want to look at that. Well, let's go with the early thing. In fact, let's let's phrase it this way. You're getting two episodes this week. It's a That's twofer. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, I... but we're going to be every Friday from now on, new episode of the Wikipedia podcast. And over the course of the next uh, month or two, uh, we're going to be releasing some new projects as well that are going to fill in mm-hmm. the gaps left by Wikipedia Radio. So you're still going to get multiple doses of Wikipedia each week. They're just going to change form a little bit into some fun new surprises that we have in the works. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about those fun ex- uh, surprises that we have. And of course, like I said, the, the team has expanded. We uh, the, the, the ministry has expanded. And I do want to remind you that Wikipedia is a ministry uh, of enemies within the church. And so you can go and find out more at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. You can go there, hit that little red button that says donate. It helps keep ministries going like this. It goes and it really does fight the woke on the 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 forefront, on, on the battlegrounds, really where we are. We are a boots on the ground type ministry going and in, in really getting into this um, where nobody else is I mean, there, there's a few other people around here. I don't want to say we're the only ones doing it, but uh, we're we're the only ones who do it this well. That's what I would say. <laughs> they might disagree, but but I think I, I that's what I'm thinking. Um, and it, it, and I mean, I'm really excited about what season two has to 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 bring us here, Kyle. W- one of the things that I think season two is, is going to bring us, it's going to go right alongside it. This is a ramp up in written content. Mm-hmm. And I, I just just want to let everybody know with, with the team expanding. And, and by the way, with the team expanding, uh, I know you're going like, wait a minute, the team's expanding. It's just you and Kyle. We've seen this before. How, what do you mean the team's expanding? We are going to be doing some roundtable discussions. We are going to be going and in, in doing that uh, reoccurring discussions with with the different contributors and different people who are uh, adding to uh, Wikipedia, But... It's not going to be every week because they're busy doing some other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're giving them the opportunity to do that. And you're going to benefit greatly about this. But, you know, Kyle, I, I need to quit talking about how excited I am for season two. We need to jump into season two. And so mm. season two, we're continuing a series we started in season one. What is that series and what are we talking about today? 
We're continuing the series of How the Woke Manipulate, where we explore these different uh, styles of manipulation, uh, predominantly centered around phrases, phrases you might hear. Uh, And this week, the phrase is, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, or you might have heard, don't uh, chew the meat, spit the bones, or chew the fat, spit the bones. They're getting at the same concept, and it's one that is heavily exploited by woke people to kind of as a defense to not to to not reject them right because oh whoa 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 whoa, whoa. You, you can still get some good out of that person that yeah they might have some issues but you can still get some good out of that person and you shouldn't throw the good with away with the bad so we're going to explore that topic a little bit and how the woke use it to then manipulate you and yeah, it's interesting that you bring up these phrases because the the first two times that I've heard the phrase uh, "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater" was in reference to John Piper. Uh, that was that was the first one that I that I heard. the The second one, there, um, eat the meat and spit out the bones. The second one that I or, or that one that I heard the first time I heard that phrase was actually with Russell Moore. And so. When you when you go and you you say that the woke use this, this isn't this isn't something that we're just trying to say. Hey, they manipulate this, and you know uh, they're going to try to say that there's some good in there, and then you you know, but there's none good or nothing good in it, whatnot. And we're not just trying to like make this up. This is actually something I've encountered multiple times. And in mm-hmm. fact, the first two times I was introduced to the phrases, um, have you encountered this, Kyle? Far too many times, and it seems to be the favorite defense, not of woke people themselves, like the it's a woke person who's who's using this as a defense, but of potentially well-meaning, you know, I'm not going to give a broad statement there of everyone's well-meaning or everyone's not, but of potentially well-meaning Christians looking at you bringing up reasons why this person shouldn't be trusted and them going yeah well they still have some good most often i see it when you when they're bringing up a piece of content that they like from this uh this author this speaker this pastor uh whatever it is and it might in itself be good but you warn them about hey do you know where that person is at now or what they believe or, mm-hmm. you know, all these factors about them that make them dangerous? And the response is either literally using the phrase or getting at the the, the heart of it of, well, I'm just reading the good and rejecting the bad. Right. And, and where this really tends to get dangerous in another place that, that I see this is pastors will go and, and this is the one that, that generally comes up is Tim Keller. They'll go and they'll quote Tim Keller in, in the, in the sermon. Cause all the woke guys always quote Tim Keller. I don't know what it is. He's, he's like the, the one thing that the woke guys all agree on 100% is that you have to quote Tim Keller three times every sermon, but uh, they, they go and they quote Tim Keller and you'll go and you'll say, well, that's not a good sign. That probably means your church is woke. If your pastor's quoting Tim Keller. 
and they'll go, oh, no, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I know Tim Keller, he's not right on everything, but you know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the issue is, is that Tim Keller, of course, is overtly woke in maybe not quite in the way that some of the, the radical uh, Methodists are and, and things like that. Like he, he might not have, you know, colored his hair pink or something like that. Mostly because he doesn't have hair, but t- Tim Keller, it, the, the issue is, is that once you start sitting under Tim Keller, there's not that, it, it, even if there were a baby that you weren't supposed to throw out with the bathwater, you come to find out that there's a whole lot more bathwater than there is baby there. And so the, the problem is, is that it really starts to corrupt you, corrode you. And you start to realize that what you thought you were holding onto as a baby is actually just bathwater in the shape of a baby. It was just bubbles or something. I don't know what it is there, yeah. but it, it, it doesn't work. And, and and have you seen that too, Kyle? I, I've 100% see that not just in the, the woke sphere. Uh, and I am really tempted to just go on all sorts of rabbit trails of other places <laughs> that I've seen this, but this is Wikipedia and we're going to keep it, you know, focused mainly on woke, but you know, I've definitely seen that of people using the phrase as a defense and then you talk to them more and you realize that they've they've imbibed some of the negative ideologies. And now they might not be you know, go to Jude. Jude rails on false false teachers, false uh, teaching, and then he gives the advice right at the end of uh, have mercy on those who doubt, others say by snatching them out of the fire, and others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Right. They're going to be in that first category. They're mm-hmm. not full-on woke adherents. They're not full-on false teachers of wokeness. They're just someone that got tainted a little bit because they touched something that they shouldn't have. And right. it started to leak in a little bit. The problem mm-hmm. is that leaks into them and then downstream, it leaks into the people that they disciple, it leaks into their children, and suddenly you've lost a generation. Right. And that's not alarmism. I mean, have we seen that before in this country? Have we seen entire generations radically rebel against uh, what their parents supposedly held to? Absolutely. Yeah. That just, that's reality. I mean, does the Bible say things in it about uh, raising up children to know the truth? Does it say anything in there about about that and uh, the benefit that that has? I I mean, there is this book of Proverbs, you know, um, that, that, you know, talks about that repeatedly. Uh, And, you know, I think it's interesting that you bring up Jude because Jude literally says that these are, are spots in a love feast. Mm-hmm. And w- when, when we read that, we might be thinking, okay, a spot in a love feast, you know, is that like that weird stuff in tapioca pudding? You know, like what, what, what for those down South, you're, you're going to have to look up some, you know, Minnesota reference to understand that I'm, I'm from Iowa, but close enough to Minnesota to, to get that. You got to go up North though to, to understand tapioca pudding. But I, it, you know, they, they might be saying like, what, what are these spots? Well, it literally is talking about, I, I, a rock in your love feast. Could you imagine like 
eating a piece of bread and all of a sudden you're like, ah, my teeth just broke. You know, some of you guys, you you know, maybe your moms weren't very good at cooking and you're saying, yes, I can understand. But, but that's, I I mean, I don't want to get in too much trouble here, Kyle. So maybe I'll, I'll walk that one back. Um, but that's literally what it's talking about here is that it looks good. It, It looks okay on the outside. It's, it's hidden it's literally an enemy within the bread or in our case, an enemy within the church and you're going and you're trying it out and you come to find out that it wasn't a piece of bread alone. It was a rock that was in there. And so when they say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, really we should be saying, well, don't take a bite of a piece of bread with a rock in it. Like I, and I know that doesn't roll off the tongue near as well. But, but that's what Jude's talking about here is mm. these spots in the love feast. And that's what these woke guys are. And so it might look okay initially, uh, you know, just, just picking out a little bit of the good stuff, but it's going to actually severely damage you and not accomplish the purpose that you're supposed to have. Oh yeah. And the question, and this is kind of a central point of mine, just in this whole conversation that we're having here. But the question that I ask people when they, they use this as a defense, whatever phrase they use, or even if they're just using the the thought of it, the question I give is why? (laughs) Why would you go to something that you know has error in it when you have the option to go to something that doesn't? especially nowadays when we have just near limitless access to information. If you really need Mm -hmm. some evangelical speaker to follow, why, why would you go to one that you know is compromised? Right. What, what's the point? That seems like you're, you're, why would you go to, why would you eat a, a chicken nugget that has uh, we'll, 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 we'll go better than chicken nugget why would you eat a chicken tender that has a bone in it I'm not talking like a good chicken wing I'm talking just like a, a chick, some sort of chicken tender and for some reason let the right. bones in when you could go for the same price buy boneless ones and you don't have to worry about eating and chewing on a bone you're just eating and you got right. more for your money there's more value there and there's more safety. Why wouldn't you go for that? That's, I mean, that, that's what we're, we're, we're getting at here. I think with this, this whole idea and, and, and I don't know that we can really address this without at least mentioning the idea of celebrity. It really mm-hmm. does have a lot to do with celebrity because it, of course, back in the day, you're, you're stuck with your your local pastor, and I don't mean stuck in a bad way. It's the idea of you're you're there with that teaching, or at least whatever church you're going to, or maybe you could go and read, you know, like a newspaper once a week that came out, or or something like that, or read a you know a book. Well, the problem is, is today, like you mentioned, Kyle, there there's limitless access to all these guys, to all of yep. these people, and so instead of going to your your local church, instead of going to your pastor. You're going and finding somebody who has a lot more bathwater than baby, a lot more uh, bones than meat, and you're going to that error 
and you're finding it and you're trying to defend those things when you're going and saying, you know, don't throw the baby out the bathwater, um, eat the meat, spit out the bones when it comes to how the woke go and manipulate this. And, and you know, one thing we do need to clarify too, of course, there's going to be disagreements. We're not talking about little disagreements here. Of course, you can always say, well, I'm going to eat the meat and spit out the bones. I'm not going to throw the baby out of the bathwater, but you need to make sure there is a baby there and you need to make sure that there is meat there. And when we're talking about some of this stuff, it's important to understand the Bible tells us sometimes just to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that that's critically important. And that's... See, that's the, the other defense that I hear people... Now, it's terrible logic. Terrible logic. We'll discuss why. But this is the other defense I'll hear people give is kind of like to undercut my argument of, well, why would you go to this, something that you know has errors in it, is essentially the, well, every no one has it all right. If you were to apply your logic, you couldn't go to anyone. Except... That again, that's that's terrible logic because it's not. It doesn't drive itself to a conclusion. I can flip that around right. and go to well, why would you go to, you know, why would you draw any sort of line? Right. By that same logic you just laid out, I should be able to go to a Mormon, just like I would a Christian, or a Muslim or a Buddhist, or a Hindu, you know, on and on and on, because you've made truth arbitrary. Now, right. here's the thing. There is a difference, and Sam, tell me if I'm wrong here, but there's a difference between obvious, overt, heretical, anti-Christian, anti-Christ, anti-biblical, teaching and the error of fallen man trying to faithfully exposit God's perfect word. Right. Now, is it, is it hard to tell the difference between those two? Is there, or is it a blurred line? Is it a blurred line or is it, kind of more of a cut and dry thing. I, I think it's pretty cut and dry on a, a lot of that. It, and I mean, just, it, just to throw out a, a couple of passages here, Kyle. So 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 17 through 19 says this, and their message will spread like cancer. Let's just stop there for a minute. You know, you had mentioned this whole idea of, is this a, a alarmism? Well, if it's alarmism, what you were saying, that it's going to spread and corrupt an entire generation, then we have to say that the Bible is alarmism. Yeah. And if the Bible's alarmism, I'm aligned with the Bible. <laughs> I don't think the Bible's alarmism. I think the Bible's just being true, but I'm always going to choose the Bible. <laughs> and Exactly. Uh, it, it, but it says literally, they're, they're thinking, they're, it's going to spread like cancer. And then it says, Hymenius and Philetus are of the sort... Uh, who have strayed, uh, uh, excuse me, concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Now, uh, just, just to kind of point this out, because it's interesting, a lot of people go and try to say, you know, eschatology doesn't matter. And so let's just stay away from that. And, you know, there's this 
big driving of eschatology together and all this kind of stuff. Eschatology, a wrong eschatology. Now it's, it's very bad eschatology here. It's talking about full preterism is really what it's getting at here. The idea that uh, the resurrection's already happened. Everything in scripture has already happened. That's why it's overthrowing the faith of some. But that's what it's, it, it's talking about eschatology even here as something uh, to, to be aware of. Now, there's obviously an issue when sometimes people drive their entire theology with eschatology, but, but that's a topic for a whole nother day. Yeah, the errors do, there is extremism on either side. You can always take something to an extreme, but just because one side has taken something to an extreme, again, in the case you're talking about, you're talking about people that claim that the Bible's done. Everything right. in it has already been accomplished. There is no future things. It's 100% accomplished. Um, kind of has problems considering that... <laughs> if you we got read... a huge issue if, the, if that's yeah. the case. Uh, I haven't been resurrected yet. But... Twice for me. Just kidding. Just kidding. But just because that that someone's taken that extreme error does not mean then looking at and coming to a conclusion and answer to what the Bible says about the end times, that is not the opposite error. The opposite right. error is, again, what you mentioned, which is an overemphasis on eschatology, on end times, to the point where it becomes your theology to the point where every, right. the Bible itself is subordinate to uh, your rampant view of whatever eschatology you have. You've, you've built it up into something bigger than God himself. Right. That's but, where the error lies. Right. And so you, you've got this Hymenius and Philetus who have gone and they've overthrown the faith of many. It says that their uh, teachings is going to spread like cancer. This is very much sounding like social justice warriorism here that's going on with them. Obviously, it was a different error, but it's the same result of what we've seen in the United States and across the world, actually, with this. But then it says this, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's a mm. departing from guys like uh, Hymenius and and. Uh, Philetus. And Hymenius, by the way, he, the apostle Paul said, and uh, said that he delivered him unto Satan. Like, well, so, so some people say, don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. And the apostle Paul's like, I give him to Satan. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, obviously, that's not everyone that the Apostle Paul did that. You mentioned this too, Kyle. There are some we make a distinction on, having compassion. There are some mm -hmm. we uh, go in, and snatch them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. There is a distinction between these two things. Mm -hmm. But there is that snatching, which is a violent action, is what it's talking about in Jude. It's not violent well, as in, you know, punching. How, mostly, how, but how did uh, how did Paul help snatch the uh, sinful Corinthian man 
out of the fire. How did he do that? What did he do? Excommunicated him. Yep. That's a pretty darn harsh thing. And what happened? What was the result? Repentance. Yeah, it's it, it can be a pretty extreme process. Again, that's why it's violent analogy, snatching out of the fire. Right. Um just just another uh, so another passage I think that we need to talk about, Kyle. Uh it, and this is uh 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked. Does this apply to this whole concept of, you know, don't throw the baby out the bathwater, um, eat the meat, spit the bones. Does this apply? Well, I think that verse uh, mostly is about marriage and sometimes about business relationships and contracts. Um, so no, 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 no. <laughs> it's about something deeper than that. And yes, it applies. You're not supposed to be unequally yoked. There's a bigger principle that Paul's getting at, and it is theological. Right. And And yeah, you should not yoke truth with error. This is is so important to, uh, to understand this one, because this is really why you're not supposed to go and get together with with the woke and say, well, I'm, I'm going to accept this. One of the most common ones, by the way, is saying, you know, I'm not a Tim Keller fan. I know he's woke, but he has a really good marriage book. Um, I've literally heard that probably 50 times, maybe more. And it, I, I've never read Tim Keller's marriage book, so I, I'm not going to come out here and say that there's, you know, um, that that it's garbage or anything like that, but I can tell you Tim yeah, Keller's man. theology is garbage. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure that the ghostwriter did a really good job with it. Pro- you know, probably. I, and that's not a joke just, just at Tim Keller, and I don't know if Tim Keller specifically uses ghostwriters, but no. people, most of your evangelical celebrities, look at the amount of time they ha- they have in a week and look at the amount of things they supposedly get done. This is why things like Docent exist, a group that writes sermons for pastors. This -hmm. is why ghostwriters exist. And unfortunately, most of your evangelical celebrities are using them. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, maybe we shouldn't get into that. I was just going to say, you know, it's not always the leftist um, uh, celebrities either. There's a lot of people who would say that are on the right who also use ghostwriters. Did I make a distinction what I said? I said evangelical celebrities. Yep. yep. It's all of yep. them. It's not okay what po- right. you know side you are on theologically. It's not okay. Stop it. You know who you are. Right. Stop it. Right. It's it's not possible for somebody to work for full-time jobs. Just just going to throw that out there. It's just not possible. But th- this this whole idea here of um, you know not not throwing the baby out the bathwater. One of the reasons why it's so effective and why the woke can manipulate so well 
is because any good lie is going to have some amount of truth to it. Yep. And this is where the manipulation happens. Yep. So an example of this, I I was going through um, a situation, actually walking through with another pastor situation um, with church discipline, and it was kind of an ugly situation. And one of their former members came to our church, kind of a thing. And so we're working through this whole thing before they ended up, you know, uh, joining or any, or anything like that. I want to do it the right way. I, I mean, I have been publicly criticizing this church uh, before, and, and yet still want to go through the right process. I mean, that's that's really important to go and to do that. It doesn't matter how right somebody is on the issues if they're not willing to go through the right processes. You should have a red flag there. I, I, I would say that that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. And amen. And, and so, and so, I mean, I, I reached out to to this uh, to this church, and we came over, and I was talking to one of their their elders as as their structure that they had, and we're going through this, and they're talking t- coming to me, talking to me about church discipline, and going through all this, and pretty soon they bring up a guy by the name of Jonathan Lehman, who I, I don't know how familiar people are with Jonathan Lehman. He hasn't been superly in the news here lately because David French has been hogging all the headlines on the stupid woke things to say. But Which I have confused their pictures before. They do look really similar when they both they, have beards. They do. They do. I, I actually, when you said uh, like, I hadn't thought about that until you just said that they do look <laughs> very similar. Um, but Jonathan Lehman studied at the London school of economics. He's a socialist. He's um, uh, w- with that, or at least a trained socialist in, in that sense, going to the London, the uh, London school of economics. Uh, he works with the nine Marxists. I mean, nine Marks and, um, he on stage with uh, Mark Dever went and, of course, said uh, that it's OK. You can vote for those who are uh, pro baby murder uh, and still be pro-life because they're 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 compassionate towards those who are on the other side of the border. It, completely conflating all kinds of stuff. I mean, just not a <sighs> not a good guy. But this guy comes in and he says, he wrote this really good piece on church discipline. And I have to tell you something. He did. It, it was it was exactly, uh, at least the, the portion that was quoted to me, I was in complete agreement with. I have never quoted positively Jonathan Lehman from the pulpit, nor will I ever positively quote Jonathan Lehman from the pulpit because I'm not going to play the don't throw the baby out with the bathwater game. We're going to separate from evil because this was one of the problems that this church had was that they had some good foundational theological roots, but they constantly leaned on the theology of Tim Keller, Jonathan Lehman, and all of your typical normal social justice people. In fact, they had a, a, a big thing with Russell Moore. They might even have Russell Moore come and speak there in, in, in all this kind of stuff. And so they would lean, uh, you know, they had some, some good foundations, but then they would lean on the woke stuff and guess where they are today. Woke. That's where they are. I mean, they, they've been woke. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, a lot of people use, uh, use this defense incredibly selfishly. Right. Incredibly selfishly to a point that just 
it frustrates me. It makes me incredibly sad. And it's particular pastors when they do this. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you, here's the thing. I will grant you this. In this hypothetical situation, I will say that your armor is impervious, that you are able to weed through it and you are able to only extract the truth and you're able to shut down the error from influencing you. All of the error. You know, 100%. That's not how people's minds work. Simple repetition does start to warp how your brain interprets things subconsciously. Right. Don't give it a foothold. But, you know, I don't care. You can be that that impervious. But you're a leader. You're a shepherd, and you're shepherding what? You're shepherding sheep. Anyone ever been on a farm before? You ever worked with sheep or goats? Those things are dumb they are so dumb and god was so good to use that as an analogy for us because we can be just as foolish as sheep we need a shepherd we need someone to guide us now when you're in a church context you're talking about a local congregation a local flock you're leading a lot of people that are not going to have that level of armor that you have, that level of theological knowledge that you have. And it's incredibly selfish of you to say, I'm impervious to this, therefore I'm going to expose my congregation to it. When you're a shepherd and you're there to expose them to the truth and to fend off error, what you just did is you commended to them a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. You gave, now let's, let's, again, Let's go to the hypothetical. Maybe theoretically, you just let that wolf into the uh, into the flock, and maybe it leaves before it kills anyone. Maybe, but does that does that make you a responsible shepherd? No, no, it still makes you an irresponsible shepherd to have even have let the wolf have an opportunity to get that close to your flock. I, I now again, it goes really beyond just point. pastors. Yeah, you, 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 go ahead. I, I think you bring up a really good point with that, and, and, and I'll, I'll just touch briefly. Even if the sheep don't get hurt by bringing in somebody with bad theology like that, bringing in a woke guy, the pastor's responsibility isn't what the sheep eat, it's to pastor well. It's to shepherd well. And it's not based on the end results. It's based upon the actions that he was taking. And so even if you're coming out and saying like, well, but my sheep haven't gotten hurt by it. Pastors, no, you're, you're, you're treading into some really bad ethical water. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, that's essentially ends justify the means. Yep. If you get them to truth, then well, it doesn't matter how you got them there. It does. Again, what happens when people apply that logic throughout history? Doesn't it often lead to a pile of bodies? It does. Yeah, so that's not... Should that be the... Uh, oh, being someone who grew up in the greater Seattle area, I, I get to quote this with much authority. Uh, that's the logic that Mark Driscoll applied when he said that 
uh, with God's grace, there'll be a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus by the end. Because they're going to, uh, anyone that doesn't get along with them, they're going to kick out of the bus and run over with the bus. Yeah, it's an actual quote that he said. Uh, that is not good shepherding. That is literally applying ends justifying the means. That's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, and Driscoll, we, we don't have time to get into Driscoll. <laughs> Although I'd love to get into Driscoll sometime. He, he is a perfect example of this whole baby, don't throw the baby out the bathwater, because he is literally the definition of the chaff driven by the wind, mm. that he changes his doctrinal position so many times, depending on yeah. which way is the cultural wind blowing. And it goes, and in like, I mean, I, I've seen quotes where he was both you know, on both sides of the COVID issue, depending on where you're at. I mean, like, you know, trying to, you know, make big headlines. And so it's one of those things of, two, you need to find the solid theologians to go and to actually quote, to actually go and to stand with, to actually go and to be with, because what happens, you, you, you don't have somebody who's rooted. And so you might be going and saying like, look, here's a good person to go and to follow, to go check out, to go and to do this. And then they might change their position. Yeah. And that, That's not saying repentance well, can't happen, of course, but. Yeah. And, and it's something that I've had to come to as I've grown up with different things. Uh, you know, I'm a child of the, the early 2000s. Uh, you know, born beginning of the 90s. So my my teen years were in the early 2000s. Um, and Christian music was huge in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm talking about Christian rock music. Huge, yep. huge, 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 huge business. And now 90s and 2000s musicians left and right are walking away from the faith. Mm -hmm. And in reality, they're not walking away from the faith. They're exposing that they never were of the faith, uh, especially when you listen to their stories. My goodness, most of them will actually admit that. Uh, that they're basically just faking it. But, you know, I had to come to a decision. Am I going to keep listening to that music or recommend this, this band at, at this point? And the more I grew up, the more I went, I think my only motivation to keep it is selfishness mm -hmm. because now even there's been a couple examples of someone walking away and then that actually brings them to salvation and they come back and I go, well, why would I keep this? Why would I keep this thing that, that even though it might technically be correct in what you said in this song, why would I keep it when you were dishonoring God through it? You were, you were blaspheming by pretending to be of the faith when you weren't. Right. That's not honoring to God. Why would I keep this? I'm going to, I don't need this. I don't need it. And again, that goes back to one of my, my, uh, my other things. First thing is why, why wouldn't you go to something good? Why would you mm -hmm. go to something? You have to spit out the bones. Why would you go to have something where you have to worry about accidentally throwing your child out when you drain the tub? Um, Seriously, like get a different bathtub. 
but then the other thing is, why, why keep the bad thing? Right. Why? You don't need it. Do you need it? No, you don't need it. I, I, it, to me, it hurts my mind. I can see the logic I used when I was younger. There would be a lot of things that I would try and justify and I would try and keep and I would try and do this and I'd bend myself backwards. And now I've gotten to a point of, but I don't need it. Right. And, and I would do want to remind everybody, this is how the woke manipulate. And there is a huge manipulation that that comes with all of this. And, and it is manipulation to try to get people within good uh, places of influence. And, and that's why we see the woke grow so much in the gospel coalition and grow so much in the Southern Baptist Convention is because it was this idea of bringing some form of an orthodoxy or some thing that you would cling to and saying, well, I know you don't agree 100%. You know, I mean, nobody agrees 100% everything. Just eat the meat, spit out the bones. And pretty soon you see mm-hmm. entire groups collapse and fall into wokeism. So I, an example, a beautiful example popped into my head. And I think this will, I'm specifically talking, I want to give an example that hopefully will help someone who doesn't agree with what we're saying mm-hmm. or is struggling to get the kind of the, the full concept of what we're saying. I think this might help you because this would probably be something that you'll agree on more readily. Uh, Bethel Church, Redding, California, uh, the one that does such ridiculous things as pump gold dust through the uh, AC and feathers to claim that angels were visiting and, and things of that nature, believing that they can soak up the anointing from dead saints' graves. Uh Claiming that, anyway, on and on and on, completely false gospel, completely sets themselves up against the true gospel, very blatantly states that. Uh, And what are they famous for? They're two bands, Bethel Music and Jesus Culture, which now dominate, well, I think with the disgracing of Hillsong, I think they're the number one. I, I would assume so. Millions of churches. They've, ad- they've told you why. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They've told you why uh, chew the meat, spit the bones is dangerous. They've overtly stated that one of their goals in their music ministry, quote ministry, ministry of Satan, um, is to get into churches and through the music, get that church to then get interested in theology, come and be trained by them, and then transformed into uh, a clone of their church. They've explicitly stated that. Beyond just them stating that, a church in my my home, uh, the, the city over from where I grew up in, they, you know, big into all this. They were the, the local mega church, uh, for for that county and you know they, they, they were very seeker sensitive and now they're they're three quarters woke uh but they through playing all of this music through 
creating this, oh, well, nah, it doesn't really matter. We might not agree with them, but mentality of, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, wishy-washiness. One of their satellite campuses. Now, the story is confusing because both sides claim something different. Uh, either they realized what was going on at the campus and fired the pastor and then the whole congregation left with the pastor and started a new church, or they decided to cut off their association. Who knows what's true? But they converted to the same theology as Bethel, and then now literally fly up speakers from Bethel to talk to them uh, for a to for a price teach them how they can raise people from the dead, and again for a price. Uh, it it's they overtly stated hey we want you mm-hmm. to uh apply this bad logic to us so that we can then infiltrate you and convert you right it works it it it, it does and that's the thing is that when you bring in the bad theology and bring in the bad theologians when you do this it, it really does get a hook into people and w- one of the issues is, and, and we see this through sports, when we see that somebody is an authority or an expert in one field, we assume that they're an authority and an expert in every field, which is really dumb. Mm. <laughs> and because somebody can dribble a basketball really well, all of a sudden they should tell us who to vote for. All of a sudden they should tell us mm. uh, uh, ethics. All of a sudden they should tell us um, all, all these yeah. things. And, and, and by the way, I, I'm not a pietist. I think people should be involved in, 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 in public and stuff like that. But, but I also will never forget watching Greg Oden, a guy has mostly been forgotten, but he was, you know, number one draft pick over Kevin Durant, all this kind of stuff. And he was a, a one and done college player and he's sitting there on ESPN news and they're interviewing him and he's got a, a mohawk, uh, there. He just, you know, just did it. Yeah, he looks like he's about 70 years old because he just had one of those faces that he looked like he was old from, from from probably the time when he was four. He probably looked like he was 16, you know, kind of a guy. But he was sitting there telling people to vote for Barack Obama. And, and people were going to go and vote for Barack Obama because this 19-year-old guy who spent his entire life playing basketball, like, like every moment, he hasn't been studying politics. He hasn't been studying ethics. He hasn't been studying nations. He hasn't been doing any of those things. He's in playing basketball because he said to go and vote for Barack Obama, which is, is dumb. And I'm not even trying to discredit somebody by their age or anything like that. We should be seeking the, the objective truth. But, but the reality of, uh, of it is, is that when you go and you look at somebody and they're so elite in one skill that doesn't even kind of relate to something over here, we should probably think the opposite that they probably have no clue what they're talking about when it comes to theology or politics or anything like that, because they've spent all their time honing in on these things. But if you let that get a hook into you and you start to idolize, start to really view them as a celebrity, what ends up happening? Well, you're going to be influenced by those people. Mm-hmm. And they're, That's why they're called they're, influencers. They're right. They're, they're marketing something to you. And, and that's, you're right. Most of these theologians, the woke theologians or whatnot, they really are nothing more than community organizers and influencers. And they're good at that. 
and this goes into something, and I'll, this will probably be my last comment because I think we're getting to a point where we should wrap up. But something I was I was realizing this this week, and I've realized it before, but it's kind of one of those things when you're you're doing research and you're looking at these people, and you come to it again, and you're like, how does this operate? Is how many of these people, these career theologians, that Specifically, like ones that have a position at a seminary or something like that, have never worked a job. They're, you know, they're yep. Bernie Sanders. Uh, they don't know what the real world is like. They went to, they went to college, went to seminary, graduated, and immediately got a position at the seminary or at another school or at some sort of institution. And it's just like. What? Why do I trust you? You, you've all you've done is academic, which is important, but you've proven nowhere that you can wield that knowledge correctly. Right. You've done nothing to show that you understand the world itself at large. All you've proven is you have paper knowledge. Yet I'm supposed to fork over ridiculous amounts of money for your books and your uh, speaking events and your trainings and all this other stuff. Over and above my local pastor who's been in you know the trenches of ministry, caring for people, getting beaten up, you know, week after week. And yeah, some of these guys are pastors too. Uh, although look into that, a lot of these guys are pastors in name only because they're put on an administrative position at, at their church. Right. But then I'm supposed to trust these guys who have shown nothing about their trustworthiness, nothing about how to uh, actually wield the knowledge, but just, I don't know, it, it bothers me. It really bothers me. Yeah. I, you know, I'm right there with you, and and I think that is such an important thing to go and to understand, and to to really look at a lot of these people. How, you know, how do they do it? Well, they've never done it. They've never done anything in life. Um, they they've, they've never been anywhere. And like you said, even the ones that that are pastors, a lot of them have never even prepared sermons because they are getting their stuff from Dosa. They they are having somebody else going doing that. They're, they're good at delivering stuff. They're good at influencing people. They're good at manipulating people. And that's why we're going and exposing the manipulations yeah. of the woke. And I think this is a good way to start off season two of Wokipedia. <laughs> and so I, I'm excited to see what season two has for us. Um, so you need to remember to come and check in every Friday, set your, your, your timer or, or whatever you got, your alarm system, have it ring for you. And of course, Find all of our stuff at enemieswithinthechurch.com. There's going to be tons more content that's coming out, all kinds of fun stuff. So stay with us. Keep standing for the truth. And Kyle, are you going to say it? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it. Don't go work. <laughs>